Welcome to Innovative Medical Solutions' latest podcast series on Arthromid. These podcasts are brought to you by IMS Vet, leaders in discovering and distributing the latest, most innovative products to equine veterinarians. Head over to www.arthromid.co.nz to find out more. Hello and welcome back. I'm Emily Boston and today in episode two we'll be talking to Dr. Lee De Clifford, practicing veterinarian and partner at Matamata Vet Services and Dr. Jason Lowe, managing director of IMS Vet to discuss how and when to use Arthromid. Welcome back guys. It's great to have you here and we talked uh, in episode one about the product in general but now to get into the nitty gritty about when and how to use the product. First of all, let's talk about how does Arthromid work? Yeah, so once it's injected into the joint, it will actually start exchanging water molecules with the synovial lining, uh, and then it undergoes a process of integration through cell migration. Initially, macrophages, fibroblasts will move through the product, uh, and then it integrates with collagen formation, so and binds into the intima and subintima of the joint capsule itself. And you'll then get a new and hypercellular synovial cell lining uh, forming over the, the inside of that. What that enables the joint to do, it increases the elastance and load capacity transfer of the joint capsule itself. So if you look at basic anatomy, what are joints for? They're literally for uh, to, to take the forces of locomotion around corners. Uh, and so the stronger that structure is and the better it's functioning, the, 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 the better it is. So it's a really uh, a tissue scaffold. The other interesting thing is a hydrogel. It's a 2.5% hydrogel, and we think that's absolutely critical in the pore size, which allows that tissue migration and integration to occur because we don't see any foreign body reactions uh, and we don't see encapsulation of it. It's one of the 11 different hydrogels available in the human market. Uh, And again, a paper by Narens and Smit uh, evaluating all the different hydrogels, the 2.5% polyacrylamide is critical uh, size and structure for proper tissue integration. Lee, would you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so the, the process roughly takes four weeks to take full effect because it doesn't have any uh, pharmacological activity it's the reaction to the product that creates the effect that we're after of increasing the function of that uh, affected joint and so the unlike traditional therapies which you'll see a, a response within the first week to 10 days this can take up to four to six weeks depending on how the horse is managed after that injection process so it takes a little bit of a different mindset to get your head around when you're, when you're using it um, and also client expectations as well and uh, you just need to bear that in mind when using the product. So we like the sound of what Arthromid's doing, but what can I use Arthromid for? It's very much indicated for joint lameness, so if you've localised the source of pain to the joint. So obviously from the diagnostic point of view, intraarticular analgesia, uh, so a nerve block to confirm that that's the site of pain. And we also see horses that react to flexion, so it's quite a common veterinary procedure for passive flexion of the joint, and you get a really good feel out there um, as to how sensitive the horse might be there. So horses that are lame in the joint and responding positively to flexion are really good candidates for arthromid. Uh, We also see good results with uh, in cysts and... 
with other sort of capsulitis and, and pain reactions like that. So. What about what not to use arthromid for? Is there anything? Yeah, very much if you're worried about fracture. Um, so subchondral bone disease and hairline fractures uh, are always a diagnostic dilemma, especially for the stable vet, which is often under a lot of pressure in front of the horse and in front of the trainer or owner to get a result. Uh, but those are not good candidates for arthromid, and you really want to go through those diagnostic procedures. If you're suspecting things like that, then refer, obviously taking radiographs, referring the horse on for scintigraphy, MRI, CT scanning, whatever's appropriate there. Lee, you're out in the field working with arthromid and you know it's uh, how it can be used properly. Give me a couple of case studies where arthromid has been really effective. Yeah, well, in, again, when you're breaking the, the two main areas down into equestrian and racing, uh, in the racing uh, scene, particularly here and, and also in Australia as well, the, the intercarpal joint uh, is, is in my hands the, the most common joint uh, that is affected by that, by, by lameness. And which isn't just a straight out osteoarthritic process as well. You've got subchondral bone disease, especially the third carpal bone, so you need to bear that in mind. But it's great for the you know, for those cases where it's strictly osteoarthritic and you, know, you get the, the horse that trots up and the action's just gone a bit. The jockey reports it doesn't want to you know, drop its head down as much. It's just resenting work a little bit. Um, it, it's not You can't pick that it's obviously lame, um, which means that it's lame in both legs not just the one, and then it loses its action in front where the legs become, where they, they abduct more um, and instead of coming truly underneath the horse. And then when you flex it up, you know, you've got the you've got reaction to, to flexion, uh, one you know, short, sharp crank of the knee, and you often get a good uh, diagnostic feel as to how that joint is functioning. You also find that there'll be um, a fusion present in that joint, you know, without pouching of those dorsal pouches of the intercarpal joint. And they're, they're good candidates. Um, as long as they block out the intraarticular diagnostic analgesia, but then also the radiographs show that there is a purely um, osteoarthritic process going on uh, without significant um, third carpal bone disease process as well. Um, they're good, uh, good candidates for those, and the way in which I manage those is you know, inject the horse on day, day zero, and then they have uh, 48 hours off, and that's just a regime that I use. Um, I know a lot of other vets do as well, uh, after intraarticular injections of, it, of all, any kind. And then after that, it depends on what stage of the training that horse is in and, and what the plan is for that. But ideally, anecdotally, uh, we feel that a couple of weeks uh, of just reduced exercise, you, know, you can still you can still work a horse without putting weight on the on those legs, and that can be involved with you know, swimming, water treadmills, dry treadmills on, on a decent incline, um, you know, taking them to the beach. Um, I mean, some and some trainers even have the luxury of being able to perform you know, dressage work or something for a couple of weeks. They have um, designated riders or facilities where those horses get turned turned through during their uh, preparations to uh, keep the horses running for longer. So they work quite well. At about the two-week mark, you can bring them back in and start building them back up again. Um, that, that's that's my ideal. However, in the most recent stuff that we just uh, finished in Melbourne again, uh, it was a double-blinded, uh, prospective, randomised, controlled study, and we compared the arthromid versus a group that had triamcinolone only, and another group that had hyaluronic acid only. And we found that after having 48 hours rest across all three groups, and then entering uh, an unaltered training regime immediately after that 48 hour period, we found that at six weeks, 83% um, of those arthromid training group were lame-free, uh, where uh, none of the other two groups were.
So, and then the interesting uh, subsequent part of that was that of those uh, 83% of horses that were lane free of the arthrotruity group, they were still lane free at 12 weeks post injection. Uh, and this was performed in a single training facility under strict conditions. The horses weren't allowed any other medications or anti inflammatories throughout that period. Uh, all horses were, had the same farrier, same feed, same track work, um, same riders, same facilities. So that was quite encouraging. So, yeah, it depends on what stage of training they're at, what prep they're in, facilities available. So you need to take that in, bear that in mind. And uh, if you look looking to the other subset, which is equestrian-based discipline horses, I I tend to ask for the two weeks again, and uh, but certainly if they can just uh, 48 hours off again, and then two weeks of very light level work, yeah, which mainly basically involves dressage work for those um, for all those horses, um, and if they can afford to um, you know, retirement facilities available, which they often don't have as readily available as the racing uh, uh, stables, um, yeah, treadmill, water walk, a beach, etc., or even just hacking as well. So it's interesting, isn't it? The sort of more we learn about the product, it's more changing the trainer or owner mindset around how to manage the horse in the treatment phase. Because again, as Lee's saying, that traditional way of give them an anti-inflammatory and try and get them back into exercise as quickly as possible while it's still working. Um, whereas with the arthromid, if we change our mindset around that. Uh, and actually say this is restoring the function to the joint, allow it time to do that. So think about changing the exercise regime, doing it when the horse is naturally in a rest period or a quiet period. Uh, or if it was previously diagnosed last prep, yeah, it's come back in the work and right before they start doing any anything more than a three-quarter pace, you put it in then. So by the time they're up yeah. to full speed, uh, the products have kicked in and it's going well. So it sounds like your recommendation is to give the ease off on the horse when the arthromid is applied but having said that if you do need to press on the results are still pretty positive yeah very much so but it's giving the the product the time to integrate and actually do what it's there for and because it's long lasting it actually allows you to manage the horse better and easier if you like but if you are pushed for time and you're within a couple of weeks of a big event um, it might not be you, want, you probably won't get the results you expect from that and so it might be prudent to use other products within that time frame okay. but what we do say that if you are faced with that scenario uh, wait two weeks after a, an injection of anything else before you put this in um, okay. and then it's often a good way of, of looking after the horse looking after their own expectations and then also maintaining the longevity of that joint function long term as you wait two weeks put this in and then you should be fine to, by the time it's integrated in the, the effects of the previous product uh, will have worn off and it should be fairly smooth sailing from there. And it seems to be easy to make a case to give it the extra time because it does have that longevity, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. It's not so much the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, which we've traditionally been trying to do, is actually yeah, a bit more preventative type of medicine. An anecdotal research now coming through uh, from the, the vets involved with the pilot research, Rindley, back in 2012, they're finding now that horses that injected earlier on in the stages of arthritic change uh, having less days lost in lameness throughout their entire career. Okay, so act early if there's some sort of idea that there is osteoarthritis there. What about mistakes you could make when diagnosing a need for arthromid? Is there something that you'd maybe pop up and you think, oh, perhaps I could use arthromid for that, but you would recommend that you didn't? Yeah, again, I think it's just that the difficulty that in clinical practice when you're at the coalface 
uh, with the horse in front of you and a trainer or owner that's that's keen to progress um, is just rushing your diagnosis and, and missing stuff like um, stress fractures, uh, hairline fractures, or if there's a larger component of subchondral bone disease, uh, because Arthromid won't treat those and is contraindicated. Saying that, for subchondral bone, we believe that it may help with the gliding of the bones in the joint and may help alleviate some of the clinical signs of subchondral bone. But certainly horses that we find that do not respond to Arthromid and obviously there's around an 18% of horses like that, then, yeah, think of something else. There's obviously something else going on in there or there's uh, that you need to be looking at. Or if they're partially responded, then there may be a dose-dependent effect and they might just need more arthromid in there. But you definitely want to go back to the drawing board and repeat your diagnostics. Uh, or there might be, again, a complication with the likes of subchondral bone. Um, and I think that multi factorial nature of, of lameness and, and the osteoarthritis complex. I know at university we would get sort of pigeonhole diseases, but I think the more we get to understand around these diseases that they are multifactorial in nature. A lot of a, a vet's job is dealing with client expectations. What can a client expect when um, the product Arthromid is applied? Well, what they can expect is a there's a very good chance that this horse will become lame freight within four to six weeks. Uh, they do need to uh, expect to give the horse a bit of time off, so they need to be patient is probably the first point, mm-hmm. which isn't always everyone's best forte, including myself. But uh, that's the first and foremost, uh, yeah, two days off. And what they can f- expect to see, if these horses are, are, have an effused joint, reactive deflection, we'll, we'll know that within two weeks that the effusion will reduce, the reaction to reflection will, will gradually go down. And then at about that two-week mark, that's when you'll start seeing the lameness reduce as well. And then by that four-week mark, we expect the horse to be, if it's going to be responsive to it, to be lame-free at that time point um, and for the joint effusion to be near enough gone as well. So not, not every case uh, will that occur, and that certainly came through with that recent study we did in Melbourne. We found that half of them... Uh, the effusion was dissipated down to a rating of zero and then the other half was present was better than what it was initially but not quite a, a, not a zero rating basically and what we expect what we believe as to why that occurs is because it does integrate into the synovium and in some patients they the synovium does enlarge in the depth and when we look at a joint effusion it, it can be from uh, subcutaneous tissues or it can be from skin subcutaneous tissues the joint capsule um, the synovium and then fluid so there's a multiple pro- uh, structures there that can res- look like joint uh, effusion but if we, we kind of break it right down realistically it's either going to be joint capsule synovial lining or fluid in the joint so the synovium can still be enlarged in response to this product so you, you don't always necessarily need to see a complete reduction in effusion in that joint so the main thing is it's pain it comes down to lameness and uh, that's the the overriding thing of all of these, uh, of all treatments of, of joint disease, is pain, and it's it's functionality. And so, what they should expect to see is in four weeks for this horse to be, in theory, lame free. There are what we what we know now is that uh, depending on the grade of of radiographic changes and lameness and clinical signs at admission, you can alter the, the dosage of the product, um, and that ranges from one, two, and three mils for a standard joint. 
and I use that now for mild, moderate and severe uh, clinical cases at time point zero. And there are a subset of horses, around about the 15%, that about the four week mark, they've gone from a, say, a grading of three out of five to one. And you, you rerun your diagnostics, make sure that everything's still looking the same and you're happy living. And those cases may require a, a top up because if you put two in, it may have needed three at the initial time point. Or if you put one in, it may have needed two. So there's that little bit of leeway there. And, and certainly it took my, took my head quite a few couple of years to get my to, to get around that and then certainly speaking to other vets that are using the product regularly that's a system that's been uh, adopted quite widely. Jason that's a pretty good overview of when to use the product how to use the product is there anything else you could add or advise people at home? No I think Lee's covered it really nicely there and it is it is very much just patience and understand how the treatment's working and uh, and then so yeah, give it time to, to integrate and, and actually work. There's some more research that we're doing around some of that, uh, around synovial joint quality, etc. But again, I think all the research is there now just to show how effective it is. Great. Well, that was uh, episode two of our Arthromed podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast and learned a little more about Arthromed. Be sure to head to arthromid.co.nz or find us on Facebook at ArthromidVet to hear additional podcasts, read about the results others have achieved, and to find out where to purchase your Arthromid from. We're keen for feedback, so head to arthromid.co.nz forward slash podcasts to ask further questions, rate us, or leave a comment. All of the above will put you in the draw to win an Arthromid jacket. On behalf of IMS Vet, thanks for listening.